Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, February 15th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Brussels is set to allow data to flow freely from the EU to the UK. That will be welcome news to sectors like health and tech. In Argentina, the country's powerful vice president is pushing to delay cuts that the IMF has asked for until after midterm elections in October. Commodities like oil and copper may be entering a new super cycle of higher prices. Plus, in China at least, people are still going out to the movies. I'm Brendan Greeley in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The European Commission has determined that the British have ensured an adequate level of protection for personal information. The Commission is set to allow data to continue to flow freely between the EU and the UK. This, according to a draft decision by the Commission, seen by the Financial Times. It is expected to be approved this week. The decision will be good news for businesses in health, insurance, and technology that regularly transfer customer information. The UK has still lost access to the giant SIS2 police database and European arrest warrant network, but the draft decision will allow for data transfers on police matters such as search warrants and intercepting communications to detect serious crimes. The Commission will re-examine the decision every four years to check that UK rules do not compromise the privacy of EU citizens. The decision will also remain open to legal challenges at the European Court of Justice, such as the one last year that struck down parts of the EU-US privacy shield arrangements for data transfer. Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner is Argentina's politically powerful vice president. She wants to postpone a crucial $44 billion debt deal with the IMF until after the pandemic has eased. That would also postpone painful spending cuts until after October's midterm elections. Martin Guzman, the finance minister, has said recently that the government wanted to wrap up negotiations on a new IMF agreement by May. Argentina is the IMF's biggest debtor. The country's endemically volatile economy contracted by more than 10% last year, its third consecutive year of recession. Net liquid foreign exchange reserves are close to zero, threatening yet another devaluation. 2018 loan agreement with the IMF ran into trouble months after it was first signed. That left the country vulnerable to another financial markets crisis if investors lose confidence. The bulk of Argentina's debt repayments to the fund come due in 2022 and 2023. An official close to Kirchner admitted to the Financial Times that it was impossible to say how long the coronavirus crisis might last. Commodities like copper and oil have been out of favor for the best part of a decade, but they may be entering another super cycle of higher prices for years as investors bet on a global economic recovery. Neil Hume is our commodities correspondent. Hi, Neil. Hello. Uh, So commodities are a pretty big basket. It could mean a lot of things. So let's start with just basic price data. What is moving right now? Pretty much everything. Um, since the lows in March, we've seen a pretty broad-based sort of upswing in everything, really, from industrial metals, so things like copper and nickel. We've seen gold, uh, silver, especially in recent weeks, with the whole sort of influx of money from the Reddit investors. Agricultural commodities as well. Soybeans have been flying up 50%. So, I mean, it really has been broad brush across the spectrum. You know, there's an old story that goes, when you buy copper, you're betting on growth because you need copper to build things. Is the story that we're looking at right now that simple? In part, it is because, you know, we're we're hearing lots of talk about big infrastructure programs coming through. 
because of the greening of the global economy. Um, and, you know, some of the figures being talked about are staggering, really, sort of the investment that's going to have to be made if we're going to yeah. meet any of the targets around the Paris Agreement. So at the same time, you know, the mining industry over the last six years has been through a sort of a, a strike on investing in new projects. There's been a massive wave of austerity. So, yeah, at the same time, we're, we're sort of seeing a structural upswing in demand. It's being sort of hit by this really sort of tepid supply growth coming through. I mean, they're just, you know, beyond next year, there aren't very many big copper mines slated to come into production at all. But as you've pointed out, oil is rising as well. Uh, Mm. Traditionally, we would see oil rise with copper. That makes sense. Uh, They're both used to build things. But is there any chance that those will decouple at some point in the future? Or is that just something we've been predicting forever and we'll never see? No, I think they will decouple in the future. This goes to some of the, the sort of debate about whether this is or isn't a super cycle. I think what we're going to see in oil, and, and we've seen the sort of the price triple from the lows really, is that there has been a massive sort of slowdown in spending. A lot of new projects have not been approved at the same time. You know, existing fields have decline rates, and if you don't replace it, you know, production goes down tipped, you know, sort of coinciding with an upswing in sort of cyclical demand this year as the whole sort of vaccine programs get going. People are sort of predicting a last hurrah for the oil market before demand does sort of plateau later in the decade as, you know, the shift to things like EVs really does start to take off. So the decoupling could happen, but just perhaps not yet. I think, you know, oil could take one last dash at $100 a barrel possibly over the sort of next five years just because of this lack of investment. So you use the phrase super cycle. I've always been fascinated by this because commodity investors think in geologic time. The business cycle makes sense as hope waxes and wanes, but the super cycle lasts longer. So uh, help me understand exactly how we define a super cycle so we can think about whether we're entering another one. Well, I mean, I think the way we should look at it is that it's sort of an extended sort of boom in prices. So you have a structural increase in demand met by very, very slow supply that sort of lags behind because people didn't see this sort of explosion in demand coming. There's been four of these pretty much since 1900. I mean, there was one after the First World War. We saw one post the Second World War with reconstruction. There was another one during the oil price shock of the 70s. And the last one we saw with the rapid sort of industrialization of China in the early 2000s. And that really was a classic case of an industry that just was caught napping as China went sort of gangbusters in its industrialization. And that really did sort of see, you know, the commodity price index sort of leap from levels of around sort of 40 to 120. I mean, a huge, huge move. And so it it seems like then a super cycle is what investors call a secular trend, right? There's this cyclical trend that we're all Mm -hmm. watching. The secular trend is a bigger story that's happening in geopolitics underneath the, the the sort of cyclical story that's happening for investors. Is that the right way to think about it? There has to be a bigger story for a super cycle to happen, a war or a new country entering the global economy. Yes, exactly. There does have to be that. And, you know, the bulls at the moment will argue that the greening of the global economy sort of twinned with this idea that of, of building back better, that, you know, all the stimulus that's coming this time, as opposed to the last you know, financial crisis we saw, which went into sort of financial assets, is going to be targeted at, you know, income inequality, addressing unemployment, you know, stuff that's really going to get money into the hands of people that are going to spend it. And of course, you know, that will be commodity intensive. So it's those two factors really this time that are giving us that sort of secular driver, if you like, replacing the industrialization of China from the last boom. Neil Hume is our commodities correspondent. Thanks, Neil. Thanks very much. 
In China, it's the Lunar New Year holiday and box offices were off to a roaring start. By 7 p.m. on Friday in Beijing, China's movie theaters had already made $260 million in sales, with 10 major homegrown films set for release during the holiday period. Cinemas in the U.S. and Europe remain largely empty as the pandemic drags on, but China's box office has recovered sharply. Its movie attendance has returned to nearly normal levels, and it toppled the U.S. last year as the biggest moneymaker in box office sales. Hollywood executives and analysts fear the trend could persist even after the pandemic. China's studios have learned to match Hollywood with slick production, special effects, and celebrity and franchise branding, and they've become adept at tapping into national sentiment as a way to spur sales. That's a trend encouraged by the Chinese Communist Party. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.